On this table, there's a selection of Christian books, and I'm giving you a free hand. Help yourself, take them away, share them around. Um, there's all sorts of things here. Um, just have them. I've been given them by TBN, UCB, Tier Fund. They've just sent them through, and I'm passing them on. So please take a book. And if you want to, you know, as I said last time, I did this. If you want to get some early Christmas presents, get them all wrapped up. I, I could probably have saved you a fortune for next year or birthday presents. Right. Um, Colossians. Now, let me just check. Is this thing connecting? Yeah, it is. Okay. What I want to ask you first and foremost this morning, by the way, we are going through the book of Colossians, and um, last week Barry kicked us off, and today it's me continuing, so in Colossians 2. What I want to ask you this morning is, how do you see things? I know you open your eyes and there they are, um, but do we all see things the same way? I mean, there's no, I've got no idea if when I look at something, and you look at the same thing if you're seeing what I see. We've got no way of knowing, have we? can't get in anybody else's head. But what I want to ask you this morning is, how do you view things? I mean, in the Colossian church, there was all sorts of different philosophies and things roaming around, and we'll, we'll deal with those in a little while. But we all see things differently. So I'm going to just try and look at a few things through a, a few different lenses. Okay. Are you someone who looks at things through rose-tinted spectacles? Everything is beautiful in its own way. Do you look at things and think everything is fabulous? You know, you look at it and God's such a lovely person that he doesn't... Oh, my props are just gone. Every, he, he looks at us and he thinks, oh, he's, they're such lovely people. You know, um, I'm never going to punish them. Everything's going to turn out all right. All right, this bloke is a mass murderer, but he's really a good person inside. Do we look at things? Everything's going to turn out fine. Yeah, man, everything's going to be great. Kumbaya, my lord. That's one way of looking at things. Do you look at things like that? Do we look at something like this? This sort of lens. We like to see the big picture. We, you know, we, we like to keep our eye on things and we, we just want to see things in a wide vision. Yes, we want to, want to look at these things. We want to be cool. We want to see all kinds of different, different philosophies and we want to invade, embrace them. So what sort of lens are you, do you look at life? Do you look at people through? What else could we, how else could we look at? What other lens could we use? You see, I've been keeping Amazon busy this week, can't you? Maybe you've got stars, stars in your eyes. You, everything is, is going to be running 
to make you a big star, to make you famous, to make you great. Maybe that's the way you look at things. The world owes you fame, stardom. These are great, these are. Oh, blow. Oh. These are called... What are they called? <laughs> Hang on a minute. I've got it written down here. I can't remember what they're called, but they get... <laughs> They're called gas punk goggles or something, they are. And it's, it's to do with science fiction with a Victorian twist. So maybe you're someone who's like rooted in the past but want to be ultra-modern at the same time. Or just maybe you're so confused you don't know what you can see. You've got no idea of what's going on at all. What lens do you view things through? And that's what I want to talk about this morning, because I think that's what Colossians is saying. This is what Paul is saying. You see, where do you get your views from? What's your baseline? Is it the BBC? I do hope not. Or any of the other mass media outlets. Is it YouTube? Is that where you get it all from? The newspaper, the Times perhaps. The Manchester Guardian. Or just known as the Guardian now. Where do you get your viewpoint, your focus on what's going on around you? You see, Paul's written this letter to the church in Colossae. And that church, Colossae's this town in Asia Minor, and there were all sorts of, there was Greek philosophy coming in, there was the Jewish tradition, there were all sorts of others, there was probably old Uncle Tom Copley down the road had a few ideas as well. And all these things got mixed up. And therefore, some of the people in the Colossian church also got mixed up. And so Paul is writing to them. See, there's a guy who was in the church, a guy called Epaphras, and he was not a Jew. He was a Gentile Christian, a bit like us, mostly, I'm sure. And he was there, but he went to see Paul. And while Paul was there, there was also this guy called Philemon who was there at the same time. Um, we can read about him elsewhere. But Epaphras was saying to Paul, come on, we, this church is getting mixed up and we need your help. So please, what can you do? And he couldn't come. Paul never visited the church at Colossae. He just wrote this, this, uh, this letter. And one of the things... Oh, sorry, my... Uh, Oh, I should have... Has it gone off? Aha. Yeah, what's your focus is my title. But anyway, um, there was this thing in, Colos in the Colossian church called 
dualism. Now, I'm going to put up a famous flag that's on our screens all the time. The flag of Ukraine. But you could say that this idea of dualism, which is what invaded the church in Colossae, is a bit like the flag of Ukraine. Because up above is God and his holiness. And we know that. We can't disagree with that. There's God. He's above us all. He is holy. He is great. He's unparalleled. He's unmatched. And then below is the world and us. And that's inherently evil and awful. That's the dualism, the split. The thing was, you, if you wanted to get to God, you had to try and find a way through all sorts of beings which ran along this centre line here, dividing them, like angels and other spiritual entities who were there. And you had to find your own way through it. And that was the idea of dualism. We're all awful. And looking around today, in our own, of ourselves, we are. Because you know what your thoughts are like, don't you? You know what you think. So I know what I think, in the private, in my own way. And you know the things you do. And you know that of yourself, you're not that great. the good news is, in Jesus, we have been declared righteous. And we live in an age now of, it, it's the popular thing to debunk, you know, the history that we've all been learning in schools. It's all wrong. You might as well tear up all the textbooks and throw them away. We know better now. The things you knew about sexuality and identity. Nah. That's all nonsense. Forget it. That's what we're being told. All kinds of things have invaded our culture. Just like in the church in Colossae, we don't have necessarily dualism, but what we do have is all sorts of theories and uh, beliefs put forward. And what is that all about? My opinion is that it is man, fallen man and women, trying to be good, trying to say this is the good thing. We're, we're trying to be good. But we've already rejected God. God doesn't come into it. But we're going to be as good as we can. Therefore, we will install a whole load of new rules and things you can do and you can't do and say, you know, who ever thought that silently praying on the streets of the United Kingdom would be an arrestable offence? Did you ever think that would come about in your lifetime? And yet, it has been happening. We're all used to seeing someone setting up in the street and preaching the good news of Jesus. And what happens in some cases? They get hauled off. And yet, other religions can get up and shout and scream and holler and do all that they want to do. But the belief that but this the country's religion or faith which has served it well for centuries is relegated to irrelevancy 
and even illegality. Did you ever think that would happen? I never did. But sure enough, it has happened. So people trying to be good, but forget it, saying there's no God in all this, and yet they are under the authority of the opposite of God. Not the equal of God, and opposite of God, but just the opposite of God. They're under the authority of the evil one. So our history's been distorted. Our heroes are really villains. Things we thought were settled are incorrect. The devil's at work. And Jesus said these things. In Matthew, 11, Matthew 13, he said, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Now Isaiah wrote that as well in the Old Testament. But who did it first? It's got to be Jesus, even though he came after Isaiah. Jesus made those words. And Isaiah wrote them down for him. And then when Jesus came to be on this earth, physically, he said this. And that's how I'm asking you. How do you see things? What, are you, what is your focus? What lens do you use? And this is again, now we're going back to, we're actually finally getting to Colossians. And this is what, um, this is what Paul writes. He says these words. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. It, right up front he's saying these words. Don't listen to stuff that you are told just because you might think it comes from a good authority. Because there is only one good authority, and that is the Lord, Lord himself. The book, the Bible. They come, comes from human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So what are the elemental spiritual forces? What is it? Where is this all coming from? It's coming from the evil one. This stuff that we get bombarded with on our news. You can't even watch a fictional television program now without some subliminal message being thrown at us to say, you know, you know this, the BBC have done a, a new version of the Famous Five. The, these old stories that were written by any blind I read when I was growing up. And now, of course, George can't just be a tomboy. George has to be a transgender. And this is pumped out to our children. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. You know, this is why we meet, you know, why we meet on Sundays. We don't meet on the traditional Sabbath of the Jewish people. Because early in the, new, in the church, when the church was born, they started meeting on the first day of the week. They probably also went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. But they started meeting on the first day of the week, which is what we do. It's a tradition we carried on. Now, people, purists, who say, oh, you should be meeting on the Sabbath day, we're not under that kind of a law. 
God has set us free. Jesus has set us free. We're not under... Everything's possible for a Christian. Not everything is helpful. We're not under these rules and regulations that the Pharisees put together. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility... That's a important thing. False humility. Can you detect false humility? You know... Sort of like the Uriah Heap idea, if you've ever read Dickens' books or seen those televised versions of it. Someone who's so humble, but they're not really. They're scheming and they're evil. Don't let anyone who who delights in false humility and the worship of angels, this is the dualism thing, worshipping angels to try and find a path to God. You don't need to do that. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. Yes, I've been, I've seen it all. I'm wonderful, you know. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. And I guess you can see, I've seen people who are quite clearly puffed up with their own, with their own self-importance in churches and in Christian organisations. And we need to ask God to give us the gift of discernment of spirits. We need, to, we need it desperately so that we can see through the, the schemes that the devil is trying to inflict upon us. I'm trying to keep looking at you people who are sitting in the dark over here um, so that you're not, you don't feel that you've just been left in a darkened room. you know. But anyway... And it goes on, since you died with Christ to, this, to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, you submit to its rules? We don't have to. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with... Sorry, where are we? Which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations have in, indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So there's a lot of falsehood around. There's a lot of falsehood in the church. Now you just look at the number of churches in this country, in the States where we hear about so much, where, or even in Australia, where things have gone wrong. Because the leaders have felt that they are some kind of special case who don't need to pray, who don't need to do all the things that the rest of the mortals do. This superior attitude, we've got to be on our guard. And we as elders of the church, we're always having to bring each other to reality. We're always having to be that check and I want to speak on behalf of, of the, my fellow elders who I've served alongside for years we don't have that kind of puffed up nonsense in, in the eldership we don't and we, we, we would um, root it out wouldn't we Dave? We would so when are you throwing me out? <laughs> okay <coughs> anyway um, so you look at the number of churches that have gone wrong so in the, even in the, the Christian church, the devil will get in, he will attack us where we're at our weakest, 
and at our lowest point, and he will deal with that. He will try his very best to pull it down. What looks terrible is when a Christian leader is exposed for something or another, some sin or another, or something that is absolutely not of God. We all need to be grounded and rooted in the truth. So those are the warnings. You know, hollow, deceptive philosophy, puffed up people, people who think they're so important, these rules and regulations that are pushed at us. Paul shows the way. And we start to see how we need to be looking at each other, at the Bible, at the Lord, at life, at the people around us, at the world, at politics, through the lens of the Holy Spirit, through God's lens. And he says this, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, you know, always the simplest is best, really. Jesus died for me on Calvary to set me free. You know, it's these, these simple truths that you can believe as a child and you can come to God and you can ask him to make you one of his children. You can repent of your sins and say, I, I want to turn away from this sinful life. And Jesus will come into your life by the Holy Spirit. Just so, and just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthening the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. You know, these philosophies that you think of, you know, nihilism and postmodernism and, you know, existentialism, if we just look into God's Word and look at the Gospel, and look at the truths there, and accept those, and live our lives by those by that, and look at God, look at things through God's eyes. Then we won't go far wrong. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Jesus was really a man, but he was also really God. He was God in a human body so that we could look in his face. The Bible says that if we look into the eyes, look into the face of God, we will die. But we could look in the face of Jesus, who is also God, and we would live. He is head over every power and authority. In Christ you've been brought to fullness. He is head over every power and authority. This power and simplicity of this message cuts through all this man-made philosophy and we, we can look at, start to see things the way God sees them. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us. And condemned us. And he's taken it away. Nailing it to the cross. All our sins. All the things that we know we do. And we think. And we don't do. And we should. Jesus has taken all those things. 
and nailed them to the cross. We don't have to work our own way through that barrier between the terrible earth and the glory of heaven because Jesus has done that for us. Jesus has made the way for us to have access to God. It is as simple and as glorious as that. And it says here, and continues, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. Yeah, you know, spectacles again. Okay, um, triumphing over them by the cross. So, how should we look at the world? How can we discern what's of God and what isn't? Well, I just want us to take us to one verse in Romans, and it says, "Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed." By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. So the secret is, how do we look through God's lenses? How do we look at things from God's perspective? The answer is, we allow God to renew our mind. We don't look at things just because it comes on the ITV News or the Channel 4 News or even the BBC. I used to love the BBC. I used to think it was a world beater. Now, I can hardly even bear to look at it. I'm sorry to have to say that if any BBC fans in here. But the trouble is, people have turned their backs on God. People have said, there is no God where we need to find a better way of our, you know, our own beliefs. We're going to be as good as we possibly can, which means it's doomed to failure. Spend time with God. Read his word. Read some Christian books. Spend less time watching and listening to media, papers, YouTube. Depends. Could be on good, some, some good stuff there, but there's also so much awful stuff. And I just ask that each one of us would just make that effort and to look at the world through God's eyes, not through any distorted lenses of strange philosophies. Let's look at things the way God wants us to see them. Let's allow God to renew our mind and let's start to move forward in him, rooted in him, clinging on to those truths that we were taught and we are now told are totally null and void. They're not. Jesus, God created the earth. God spoke through the prophets. God sent Jesus to give us freedom from our sins. He nailed them to the cross. He rose triumphant. He's at the right hand of God now. I'm trying not trying to praise the creed or anything like that. But these things are true. But the, the good news, of course, is he's coming again. And you just look at the Middle East and what's going on out there. And you just tell me you don't think that's a likelihood. And I think it's the only solution out there. Jesus is coming back for his own. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask you that you would renew our minds that you would give us that vision of what you want us to see, that you would take
take the scales from our eyes so that we will see you and we will see you in your glory. And Father, that we would stay with those things which we have known since we've been brought up to them. Lord, I just pray that you would, you would, Lord, move in our hearts by your Spirit, that we would never lose sight of those things which you have shown us through your Word, that we would always come back to the cross, we'd always come back to Jesus and just say, Thank you, Lord. You saved me from a lost eternity. So, Father, renew our minds, we pray. We pray it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.